You're listening to Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. (laughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation, removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed, the horses sleep, the day's work done, the chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds, drift off to sleep, and close your eyes. It's time for us to turn down for the night. Now let's breathe in, breathe out, and turn off the light. One more time, breathe out, breathe in. Now let us begin. In last week's episode, Grandpa had just realized that in the midst of preparing for the storm, he wasn't sure where 90 head of his Chincoteague ponies were. Let's find out. Chapter 5, 90 Head Before second helpings, the storm struck in full fury. It came whipping down the open sea like some angry, flailing giant. It took the house, rattled the shutters, clawed at the shingles. The kitchen, so snug and secure a moment ago, suddenly seemed fragile as an eggshell. Grandpa and the children rushed to the sitting room window. They could not see beyond the window pane itself. Only wind-driven rain, streams of rain, slithering down the glass, bubbling at its edges. Every few moments, one ghostly beam from the lighthouse over on Assateague sliced through the downpour. Then all was blackness again. Maureen tugged at Grandpa's sleeve. Grandpa, what if Misty's baby is being born right now? Paul, too, felt panic. Grandpa, let's go out there. But Grandpa stood mesmerized. He wasn't seeing this storm. He was in another storm, long ago, and he was thinking, "'Twas the wind and waves that wrecked the Spanish ship and brought the ponies here. What if the wind and waves would swallow him and take him back again? In his darkened thoughts, he could see the ponies fighting the wreckage, fighting for air, fighting to survive. And suddenly he began to pray for all the wild things out on a night like this. Then he thought to himself, Sakes alive, I'm taking over Itty's work. He turned around and saw her at the sink, washing dishes as if storms were nothing to fret about. A flash of understanding shuttled between them. They would both hide their fears from the children. Paul's voice was now at a breaking point, and Grandpa knew the questions without actually hearing the words. But he had no answer. He too was worried about Misty. He put one arm around Paul 
and another around Maureen, drawing them away from the window, pulling them down beside him on the lumpy couch. There, there, children. Hold on, he soothed. Buckle on your blinders and let's think of fun days. I'll think first. I'm a-thinkin'. In the dark room, it was almost like being in a theater, waiting for a play to begin, and now Grandpa was drawing the curtain aside. I'm a-thinkin', he began again, back on Armed Forces Day, and I'm ridin' Little Misty in the big parade cause you two both got the chicken pox, remember? Yes, they agreed politely, and for Grandpa's sake, Paul added, tell us all about it. Why? I can hear the high school band a tootlin' and a blastin' as if it was plain as yesterday, and all of them in blue uniforms with shinkatig ponies broidered in gold on their sleeves. And now comes the Coast Guard, carrying flags on long poles, marching to the music, and right behind him comes me and the firemen a-ridin'. Now the children were caught up in the drama, reliving the familiar story. Misty, she weren't parading like the big horses the firemen rode. She come a skylarkin' along, and everywhere a little riffle of applause as she goes by. But all to once, she seen a snake, one of those hog-nosed vipers, and was right plumb in the middle of the street. She reared up and come down on it and kilt it whilst all the cars in the rear was honkin' cause she was holdin' up the parade. Grandpa stopped for a breath. He gave the children a squeeze of mingled pride and joy. Why, she was so riled up over that snake, she tried to dump me off in the killin', but I hung on tight as a tick and gave her a loose rein so she could finish the job and Maureen interrupted. Grandpa, you forgot all about our pup. Grandpa winked at Grandma. His trick had worked. He had lifted the children out of their worry. Gosh, all fish ox, he chuckled. I almost did. What was that little fella's name? Why, Whiskers, Maureen prompted. Of course, Grandpa said, scratching his own whiskers as he remembered. Well, that pup was a-ridin' bareback behind me, and when Misty reared, she went a-scally-hootin' in the air. But you know what? He picked himself up and jumped right back on after the snake killin' was done, and Misty won a beautiful gold cup for being the prettiest and bravest pony in the whole parade. And that was even before she became famous in the movie, Paul added. Grandpa stopped, groping in desperation for another story. In the short moment of silence, a gust of wind twanged the telephone wires and wailed eerily under the eaves. Maureen's face went white. Oh, Grandpa, she whimpered. Is Misty's baby going to be all right? Of course, child. How often do I have to tell you I'm the oldest pony raiser on this here island, and if I know anything about ponies, Misty will hold off till the storm's over and the sun's shining bright as a Christmas tree ball. Paul leapt up from the couch. Grandma, 
Do you believe that? Grandma was putting away the last of the dishes and she did not reply. The question was so simple, so probing. She wanted to tell the truth and she wanted to calm the children. As you know, she said at last, I had ten head of children and it seemed like they did the deciding when was the time to appear. But from what your grandpa says, ponies are smarter than people. They can hold off till things are more auspicious. Grandpa brushed the talk aside. I got another worryment besides Misty, he said. She's safe enough on high ground and in a snug shed. But what about all my ponies up in deep hole? He jerked up from the couch. I've got to call Tom Reed. Clarence, Grandma reproached. Tom Reed's an early to better. It's time we bedded down, too. It's past nine. I don't care if it's past midnight, he said in a sudden burst. I've got to call him. But he didn't go to the phone. He suddenly stood still, his hands clenched into fists. There's something I've been meaning to tell you he said with a kind of urgency. No one helped him with a question. Everyone was too bewildered. All I know in this world is ponies. Ponies is my life, he went on. In every pony penning, I buy me some uncommonly pretty ones. Now the words poured from him. Some fellers salt their money in insurance and such, but I've been salting mine in ponies, and right now I got 90 head, and they're up to deep hole in Tom Reed's woods. I got to know how they are. 90 head, Grandma gasped. I had no idea it was so many. Well, it is, Grandpa's voice was tight and strained. And if the ocean swallows them, we're licked and done, he looked at the children, and there will be no schooling for this second brood of ours. He rubbed the bristles in his ears, the worry in his face deepening. One of the ponies is wings. Oh, not wings, Maureen's lips trembled as if she had lost a friend. Not wings, Paul repeated. Who is wings? Grandma demanded. Why, Grandma, Paul said. He's the red stallion who stole Misty away for two weeks last spring. Don't you remember? He's the father of Misty's unborn colt. Maureen went over to Grandpa and took his gnarled old hand into hers and pressed it against her cheek. Tonight, I'm going to send up my best prayer for wings and for all 90 head she added quickly. But Grandpa, we don't mind about school. Honest, we don't. Course not, Paul said. We'll just raise more ponies from Misty. Chapter 6 Oceanus Try once more, Lucy. Just once more, Grandpa was imploring the operator. Paul and Maureen were on the floor at Grandpa's feet, listening anxiously. Grandma brought in the lantern and set it on the organ near him, as if somehow it would help them all hear better. After an unbearable wait, Grandpa bellowed, Tom, is that you, Tom? How are my ponies? 
a pause. What's that? You are worried about your son's chickens? Grandpa clapped his hand over the mouthpiece and snorted in disgust. He summoned all of his patients. All right, tell me about the chickens, but make it quick. He held the receiver slightly away from his ears so that everyone could listen in. My son, Tom Reed, was shouting as loud as Grandpa. Raises chickens up at my house, you know. Yep, yep, I know. He's got four chicken houses here, and he comes up about eight o'clock tonight. The wind's screeching and blowing, and the stoves burn more coal when the wind blows hard. I know, Grandpa burst forth in annoyance, but what about... He puts more coal on and asks me to help, and Tide wasn't too far in then. But when we done colon, he goes on back to his house. An hour or so later, he calls me up all out of breath. Tide's rising fast, he says. Storm's worsening. I can't get back up there. Will you coal the stoves for me? So I go out. Grandpa stiffened. What'd you find, Tom? Any of my ponies? All of them were gone. A cry broke from the old man. All ninety head? They were all gone. Two thousand little chicks. Oh, Grandpa held tight to his patience. He was sorry about the chickens, but he had to know about the ponies. He cleared his throat and leaned forward. Tom, he shouted, what about my ponies? There was a long pause. Then, the voice at the other end stammered. I don't know, Clarence, but no cause to worry yet. Stallions got weather sense. They'll just drive their mares up on little humpy places. Grandpa wasn't breathing. His face turned a dull red. They must have sensed the storm, the voice went on. Tonight, after I watered them, they just wanted to stay close to the house, but I drove them out to the low pasture like always. I'll go out later with my flash beam. You call me back, Clarence. There was a choking sound. The children couldn't tell whether it was Grandpa or a noise on the line. You hear me, Clarence? I'll go out now. Call me back. Blindly, Grandpa put the receiver in place. He went to the window and stood there, his head bowed. No one knew what to say. Their world seemed to hang like a rock, teetering on a cliff. The quiet felt heavy in the room, with only the wind screaming. Suddenly, Grandpa turned around. His eyes seemed to throw sparks. Itty! Play something loud. Bust that organ box wide open. March music, maybe. Anything to drown out that wind. And Paul and Maureen, quit gawping. Get off the floor and sing, loud and strong. Worrying won't do us a lick of good. Grandma was relieved to have something to do. She plumped herself on the organ bench spreading out her skirt as if she were on the concert stage. Now then, she turned to Grandpa. I'll play Fling Out the Banner. I don't know the words, Paul said. Me either, 
said Maureen. Well, you can read, can't you? Grandpa barked. Here's the songbook. Go ahead now. I'll be the audience. The organ notes rolled out strong and vibrant, and the children sang. Fling out the banner, let it float, skyward and seaward, high and wide. When they were well into the second verse, Grandpa silently tiptoed into the hall, put on his gumboots and slicker, and let himself out into the night. A flying piece of wood narrowly missed him as he went down the steps, and a piece of wet, pulpy paper hit him full in the face. He wiped it off and focused his light to see the path to the corral. But there was no path. It was covered by water. He drew his head into his coat and sloshed forward, head double-bent against the wind. It ain't a hurricane, nothing but a full tide, he kept telling himself. Still, I don't like it with Misty being so close to her time. Inside the shed was all dry and warm. Misty was lying asleep with Skipper back to back. The light brought the collie to his feet in a twinkling. He almost knocked Grandpa down with his welcome. Misty opened wide her jaws and yawned in Grandpa's face. He couldn't help but laugh. See, he told himself, nothing to worry about. Horse critters are far smarter than human critters. He fumbled in his pocket and found a few tatters of tobacco and said to himself, Watch her come up snuzzling on me. And she did and he liked the feel of her tongue on his hand and the brightness of her eye and the beam of his flashlight. Affectionately, he wiped his sticky palm on her neck and said, I have to go in, Misty. Now I know you're all right. See you in the morning, and by then all the water will slump back into the ocean where it belongs. When he came into the kitchen, Grandma was standing with a broom across the door. Praises be you're safe, she exclaimed. I've been holding these young'uns at bay. They wanted to follow you. Grandpa, has the colt come? Maureen and Paul asked in one breath. Nope, and if I'm any judge, won't be any time soon. Now everybody to bed. Things are all right. We gotta think about that. Paul and I, we can't go to bed yet. Maureen protested. And why not? We haven't done our homework. Clarence, Grandma said. You're all tuckered out, and you can't call Tom Reed because our telephone's as dead as a doorknob, so you go on to bed. I'll listen to the homework so no more members of this household tippy-toe out behind my back. Grandpa patted everyone goodnight and went off loosening his suspenders as he went. I feel like Abraham Lincoln studying by candlelight, Maureen said, bringing her pile of books close to the lantern. Wish you looked more like him, Paul teased, instead of like a wild horse with a mane that's never been brushed. Your hair looks like a stubble field. Children, stop, Grandma interrupted. You can have your druthers. Either you go to bed or get to work. Paul weighed the choices, 
then reluctantly opened his science book, but at the very first page, he let out a whistle. Listen to this. If the ancients had known what the earth is really like, they would have named it Oceanus, not Earth. Huge areas of water cover 70% of its surface. It is indeed a watery planet. Now that's right interesting, Grandma said, putting a few sticks of wood into the fire. Yes, Maureen pouted, a lot more interesting than trying to figure out how many times 97 goes into 10,241. Paul waxed to his lesson as a preacher to his sermon. Listen, people used to say that the tides were the breathing of the earth. Now we know they're called gravitational tides. I do declare, Grandma said, it makes my skin run prickly just thinking about it. Go on, Maureen urged. What's next? Paul read half to himself, half aloud. When the moon, sun, and earth are directly in line, as at new moon and full moon, the moon and the sun's poles are added together, and we have unusually high tides called spring tides. Grandma sat rocking and repeating, I declare, I do declare, until her head nodded. Suddenly, she jerked up and looked at the clock. Paul, stop. It's way past ten and lessons are no. We have got to get to bed. Thank you for joining me today on Sleep Stories for Equestrians. Allow this music to slip you away to slumberland.